Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. In this special bonus episode, we interview Dr. Dragoslava Sandrak, who is the principal contributor of this quarter on the Book of Psalms. Together, let's look at and dive deep into the practicality and theology that is behind the ideas of the Psalms. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, here we go. Uh, This is Sabbath School Rescue Podcast, a bonus episode, and we have a very honored guest, although she is extremely humble. This next quarter, that's going to be on the Book of Psalms, Michael, uh, a friend of his, but also someone he knows that is just has a a wealth of knowledge, although she will explain that 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 wealth of knowledge, there's so much more for us to still learn and understand, but I know we're going to learn a lot of things from her through the work that God has done in her and through her work as well. So Michael, please introduce our honored guest. Our honored guest is none other than Dragoslava Sontrak, and just really excited that she is able to join us. A lot of people, I, I interact with her because the Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventism, where she is currently the managing editor. But what some people may not know is that she comes back to this with a wealth of theological and biblical expertise. And some people may not be aware that she has a PhD in Old Testament from Northwest University and the Greenwich School of Theology in the United Kingdom. And she also has an MA in Biblical Languages and Old Testament from Andrews University. So she comes highly qualified as a Biblical Studies scholar in her own right. And some people may not be aware she's recently, in addition to this lesson, also she has contributed There's a a new commentary series going on, and so she was one of the main people that has been involved in that and had written the section on Psalms, or at least the second half. I think it's divided in two parts, isn't it, Dragoslava? Yes, it is, yeah. This, I think it's the second half, if I recall correctly. It's Psalm 76 to 150, and this is the Seventh-day Adventist International Bible Commentary Series, and Volume 6 was released not a long time ago. It's a new resource. People can pick up, what, at the Amethyst Book Center? Yes. And on Amazon and different places like that. So if you want something a little bit more in-depth here, this is a resource that Dragoslava that you've, you've worked on really hard. In addition, she's married to Alex and they have some children. I know because we were talking about Christmas activities and by the time people listen, we'll be launching into the new year. But again, just a very talented family with as academics, your husband's an academic as well as yourself. And she taught for 15 years, including at Belgrade uh, Theological Seminary in Serbia, as well as in the University of the Southern Caribbean and Trinidad. And so they come with international experience as well as amazing experiences, academics. And occasionally you might catch her teaching because we both help out as adjunct professors at Washington Adventist University. Um, Dragoslava, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, that's therapy, teaching, going down to teach a class occasionally, right? Yes, Uh, (laughs) absolutely. Being in touch with people is something that puts everything that we do in the right perspective. And we are reminding time and time again 
that it is the people who are the goal, their well-being and bringing them closer to Christ. Amen. That's what we do and you're, why we do what we do. A teacher at heart. It's your passion, I can tell. Yes. <laughs> so Dragoslava, now that I've had a chance to just kind of introduce you, if you want, you can check out her writing. She's written in numerous places and still involved with like Biblical Research Institute. But But tell us how it went from, hey, you've been teaching and writing about this in scholarly circles to, and, and as resources for the church. Now we have a lesson. How did we get a Sabbath school lesson on the Psalms? Tell us the behind the scenes, what happened here? Well, first, let me just uh, say a big thank you to you, Michael and Buster, for extending this uh, kind invitation to be part of your wonderful ministry. And so big thank you. And for the wonderful introduction, Michael and Buster as well. When it comes to participating in this project, uh, contributing the Sabbath School quarterly on the Psalms, I haven't volunteered. So it was the church leaders at the general conference, the Sabbath School ministries and others who are involved in selecting the topic and the contributor who approached me probably because they knew I, I previously contributed to the commentary and my uh, doctoral dissertation, which was also published, is on the Psalms. And so I was approached with that request and it was a, it's, it's a huge responsibility, wow. great honor, but also a fearful uh, responsibility. But through prayer and encouragement from both God and man, I accept it, and it's been a wonderful journey and experience for me as well. So it's well, as simple as that. Yeah. I love it. So, so rather, I was trying to make it volunteered, but it sounds like commandeered, but w whichever way it was, we're glad that you wrote the lesson. So tell mm -hmm. us why you're so passionate about Psalms. Yes. Well, the Psalms, like for many people, for me, the Psalms have been my favorite biblical book since my early childhood. I think Psalm 23 was the first biblical text that I memorized uh, as a child. And it, it, was, it was back then and, and even now a book where I can really relax and feel that I'm not just talking to God, but also God talking to me. And, and especially later studying theology, you get in that type of mindset where, like a researcher, you're trying to solve puzzles or theological, some kind of theological challenges, or what does this prophecy mean? What's the Hebrew word for this, for that? It, it becomes more like a struggle to get the meaning of the text. But when I come to the Psalms, it is like this uh, safe haven where you can relax and, and find this strength and, and just open your heart and, and go on a vacation uh, when it comes to, to theology and just enjoy the peace and strength that, that you find in, in these, in these uh, beautiful songs and prayers. And, and I believe many people experience that. And that's why the Psalms are the favorite book for many people for, for ages. Because in them, we feel that God is not just talking, talking to us, like maybe in the rest of the Bible, but God is talking with us mm -hmm. and 
pour us, as we pour out our hearts in praise and lament and all these different aspects, we feel that God is talking with us and for us, not just to us. And, and that's, that's something that has always appealed to me. Maybe I would not have defined it in this way when I was younger, but as I grow in the knowledge and understanding of Psalms, they, they, become, they have become my daily companion. Man, I, I absolutely love that. And you mentioned something that gave me an imagery of, of God mm -hmm. talking with us. In all the Psalms, can you just take us to a spot where you, where you feel that, where you experience that, where God is not just talking at us, but he's talking with us? Yes. You see, maybe later or, or we, we can talk more about uh, this aspect of praying the Psalms. <laughs> I grew up believing that only unlearned prayer or spontaneous prayer is a real prayer. You know, when you pray from your heart, and this is how uh, uh, most, if not all people in, in the churches that I've been pray, we pray, you know, with our own words. But later, I, I really came to understand the, the, the word, the value of the Psalms as prayers. So God did not just put the Psalms at the heart of the Bible to show us how people of ancient times prayed, but mm -hmm. also to give us words to pray and teach us how to pray. So when I read the Psalms and I pray the Psalms every day, I feel that as I talk, as I pray, that God is responding at, at the same time. For example, I can feel, well, this morning, let me not go further than that. This morning, I, I read Psalm 139. Okay. It's a psalm about God's perfect knowledge. And it starts, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And later on, it says that even before there is a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. And this is so comforting to me because I realized that as sometimes I'm struggling to find words to tell, the psalm tells me the Lord knows. He knows these words. He knows whatever is in that heart. He can search me while I pray and see my prayer even before it mm. is spoken out aloud. Beautiful. And Yes. And then as I read the psalm, I realize that God, for example, in verse 17, as if God is telling me, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So it is not only that God is seeing and reading my thoughts, but now he is sharing his wonderful thoughts about me, with amen. me. So, and, and when you say amen at the end of reading or praying this psalm, you, you cry out like the psalmist saying, search me, O God, in verse 23, and know my heart. Sometimes maybe we feel like, oh, I would like to hide from God. Oh, please, don't look inside, at least not before I, I you know, clean it and make it all uh, 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 nice. But, but when we realize God's good thoughts and, and that his knowledge is for our salvation, we say, God, 
search me and know me, I gladly invite you. Amen. You know, uh, I, as you were even sharing that, I think what you've done is you've taken the academic side of things and you've you've applied it. And that's that's my area of applied theology. But but it's more than that. You're living it out. And it's it's great. One of the reasons why I absolutely love Michael is because he's a great academic, but he's also someone who loves God and he loves people. Yes. And I see that pouring out of you as well. And it's it's refreshing. And and a lot of our colleagues, I mean, they they have that as well. But but to see the passion that you have for it because it's real, because God is real and he's speaking to you through the Psalms. Yes, yes, Pastor. And earlier, Michael asked me about uh, uh, why the book of Psalms and and perhaps I don't know if we have time or if it's appropriate. I would like to share my experience or why and when actually I started praying the Psalms. And this is a practice that exists in many Christian traditions. So it is not something new. Uh, I don't want to imply that I discovered something that nobody else did. Actually, many people, by praying the Psalms, established and maintained a regular prayer life. But to me, this is a, a, a bit more recent. And I'm, I'm grateful, grateful for, for, for that. So... I don't know if 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 I can share that experience. The time is uh, yours. Please take it. Yes. It's, it's a painful experience and something that I have been silent about for many years. But I was strengthened recently and 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 I realized that by sharing my experience I can actually help someone who has gone through similar thing. So I will take us back to 2000, to year 2000, and when my husband and I, Alex and I, uh, lost our first child, uh, I was uh, actually in my 40th week of pregnancy, which is, we were expecting the birth every, every day. And, and at one moment, I, I was just not feeling well. I, I told Alex, I don't seem to feel the baby's movements. So we rushed to the doctor and the doctor said, well, everything is fine. The baby's just big and ready to come out, saving energy for the birth and all of that. So they sent us back home. And in a couple of days, I was telling my husband, now I really don't feel well. So we rushed back. And when they checked the ultrasound and all, they only discovered the very sad truth that there was no heartbeat and the baby was not was not alive. And, and, and as you can imagine, that's a very traumatic and painful experience uh, for everyone. But sometimes I think for us who believe in a loving, merciful and omnipotent God, that can be even more perplexing and, and more traumatic. So... Of course, uh, the birth was performed, and, and as I was holding that little corpse in my hand, I was, I was broken, I was speechless, I was, I was devastated indeed. Back in my hospital room, all by myself, it was Friday night, and it was time to begin the Sabbath. And we have this uh, custom, I have this custom of beginning the Sabbath with, with the biblical text. And I read the Bible uh, just a chapter a day. So I just allow the Bible to take me to a text as it comes. So 
I mechanically opened my Bible and I started reading and it was in Isaiah chapter uh, 49. Mm -hmm. And it is a song. And this is now a, a moment to tell our listeners that there are many sounds or songs outside of the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And one of them was some, uh, was uh, Isaiah 49, chapter, uh, uh, Isaiah 49. And I started reading mechanically, almost like, oh, let me get done with this. I'm so tired. I, 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 I cannot cry, but I can feel even this anger. And as I was reading, it looked as if each word of this song was meant to pierce my heart even more. For example, verse 13, sing or heavens, be joyful or earth and break out in singing all mountains. And I was like, God, what is this? This is just not fair. I'm done. I'm simply done. But then I read verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. These are the only words spoken by Zion in this chapter of Isaiah. And when I read this, I felt my lost words were found. And I kept beating this word, uh, verse 14 over and over and over again until I really felt and I said, Lord, this is my prayer. It gave me the strength and power to say the words I did not dare to say in, 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 in prayer to God. And then came verse can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Mm. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Mm. And this is, you know, when, when I received this grace uh, from God in prayer, I was praying Isaiah 49. It gave me the words I did not have the words I did not dare to speak. And at the same time, it gave me so tangibly and so real at that moment, God responds. And I was still sad. I was still devastated, but I was not alone. And that meant me so much at that moment that I was not alone, that God was there with me. He was praying with me and for me. And from that moment on, I, I made uh, Isaiah 49. And then I turned back to the book of Psalms to find the words I did not have. And as I was healing, the Psalms led me on this journey. So why I'm sharing this experience? Because I want to encourage you, our listeners, myself, that Whatever season in life you may be in, the communication with God must go on. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have strength to pray, turn to the Psalms. Those words are there for you to be your words, but also God's words back to you. So it's a wonderful, wonderful book, the book of Psalms. So, a book I cannot live without, such a treasure for all of us. You gave a whole nother meaning to Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is powerful. It is living 
It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns into the thoughts and intents of the heart. So thank you so much for sharing that and, and walking with many people through their journeys of different stories. That is just so helpful, even to me, uh, through some hardships that I've been through, uh, that I had thought about the opportunity to allow the Psalms to pray a prayer that sometimes my heart's not ready to pray, but speaking to existence and also realizing that it can expedite our healing. That's what God is there for. Yes, absolutely. Dragos, I want to put this out here before we're done. I know this is going to be like, how do you choose between your children? You know, which one's your favorite? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell that the Psalms are deeply meaningful to you. And I love that because it's just keeping it real with God. But but right now, you don't have to answer, but before before we're done at the end, is there one Psalm that's speaking to you personally right now? And you're just like, you know, that's that's my favorite if I had to choose right now. But anyways, I'll come back to that because I, mm-hmm. in the moment, I, I want to also kind of explore because Psalms is keeping it real with God. But what are some of the themes that we can expect to kind of tease out through this quarter? Yes. So thank you for that question, Michael. You see, when when I was uh, asked and given this uh, uh, great task of writing this quarterly on the book of Psalms, I was my first challenge was like, okay, how do I go about this? Mm-hmm. If it was, let's say, a historical book, a, a gospel, you follow chapter by chapter. There is a progression in introduction development of the theme, maybe some historical events, or let's say if it is Paul's epistles, there is a progression in how a theological theme or an argument is being developed, reaching its conclusion. How do we approach the book of Psalms? Many people see the book of Psalms, and for many years, the book of Psalms has been viewed as a random collection of 100 poems. However, in more recent times, scholars, biblical scholars, have realized that the order of the book of Psalms may not be as random as it may look at at, at, at the first glance. And this is a, a topic that I have studied for my doctoral dissertation, and it makes so much sense to me to see, and now different theories, different approaches to the Psalter will find different organizing models for the book of of Psalms. Something like there is like an orientation in the first part of the Psalms. And and this is a progression or a kind of order that I try to incorporate in in the quarterly. So when we look at the 13 lessons, the themes are organized, of course, apart from the first two weeks, how to read the Psalms and teach us to pray. These are like background lessons. But then started from 3 to 13, I tried to incorporate that idea that the journey in the Psalms starts with something we may call an orientation. Orientation being that we are firmly grounded in the basics of the revelation of God, of our relationship with God, of our understanding of God. Hence, we have the lesson on the Lord reigns. And here, Michael, the topics that you asked, here we share about the fundamental beliefs of the Psalms when it comes to God. God as the sovereign ruler of the world, as the sovereign creator, as the sovereign sustainer of the world, 
as the sovereign judge, the one who oversees and, and controls the is in, in, in control of the history. So this is uh, something that's like very fundamental. And then when we speak of God as the judge, we have the good is rewarded and the evil gets what? Punished. So this is something like, like the world is well ordered according to God's will. And then lesson four, the Lord hears and delivers. Here is the topic of God as a deliverer, God as our savior, God as the covenantal God in the book of Psalms. Beautiful topics. Again, topics that will ground us firmly in these basics of orientation, what God is and what God wills. Mm -hmm. And I say it is pretty basic because this is what our faith is all about. But then we move to lesson five, singing the Lord's song in a strange land. Mm. And this is how the Psalms, how they are arranged to lead us from that orientation where the, the world is firmly established in God's will, in God's vision, when God created and everything was good. But then we move to the strange land, meaning when the well-established world of orientation is challenged by sin and evil. And, and, and in this week, we read about the topics, where is God? How is it that the, the evil, the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? How do we answer these questions? How do we embrace these questions in our personal Christian life? And then, and I believe this to be the critical moment in the Psalms, and in the book of Psalms, we have Psalm 73, which is providentially put in the middle. And I believe the editors of the present Psalter had that in mind. We all know Psalm 73. How is it that the wicked prospered? Am I cleaning my hands in vain? And, think, uh, and questions like that. And then Psalm 74, mm -hmm. the Lord's sanctuary has been in ruins. It's been destroyed. The, the, the wicked nations laugh at God's people, torture God's people, blaspheme against God's name. So this is the time of disorientation. Now, that's on the cosmic plan, what we call the great controversy. But on our personal level, we've all been through these seasons of or disorientation. When something just hits us unexpectedly. Is it the illness of a loved one, our own illness, loss of a job, a financial crisis, whatever? Where is God? And from this critical point, we move towards lesson six, I will arise. Mm -hmm. Lesson seven, your mercy reaches unto the heavens, etc. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Messiah. Yeah. We move to a season of new orientation. If we allow God to take us by faith through the season of disorientation, we will mature into a new orientation when we get to know God in a deeper, different level through the suffering of his son, the Messiah, but also to his glorious victory as well. So there is this movement from the earthly sanctuary, earthly king 
towards the focus on the heavenly sanctuary, the heavenly Davidic king. So it is just a beautiful theology behind the book of Psalter as a whole that, that I tried to reflect in the order of the lessons and the themes of the, of the lessons. And again, uh, we cannot say, hey, this is definitely how the book of Psalms uh, has been organized, but there are many indicators pointing us towards that, uh, in, in that direction. You know, one of the things that I heard and heard, overheard all those themes and how they're actually drawing us in towards a relational view of God, which is something that's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but also I hear the aspect of responsibility on the reader's part to realize that these aren't just songs that we're just going through and just reading, but there's an aspect of a responsibility of, of a pl application to our lives. And one of the things, and, and now that I have you here, you mentioned Psalm 73, which is one of my absolute favorite Psalms. And, you know, I hear, I see different authors of the Psalms. I think sometimes we just, oh, it's David, it's David. Well, there's Asaph and there's other writers. Can you tell us a little bit about the, about some of the uh, other authors of, of the Psalms and, and how that interweaves into the themes that, that come out, come about? Yes. Yes. So we, we will devote one whole day in the first a week to meeting the psalmist. And even though, as you mentioned, King David is the most well-known because mm -hmm. he did uh, contribute the greatest number of, of psalms in, in the book of Psalms, but there are others. Psalms 50 and 73 to 83 were written by Asa, mm -hmm. was a worship leader. And there is a whole a guild or a whole a generation of worship leaders, the Asaphites, like, so, so he was the father of, but then his sons and grandsons reaching out to the time of, of the second temple and ne ne Ezra's and Nehemiah's time. So there is this a whole generation of, of them contributing Psalms and Psalm 73 and most like, and then Psalm 74, especially are post-exilic Psalms. So they could not have been written by Asaph in the time of David, but by one of his descendants, because they speak about the sanctuary being destroyed, etc. So there is a whole generation of, of, of them. Then we have Psalms of the sons of Korah. For example, Psalm 42, 44 to 47, 49, 84, etc. Then we have authors that contributed one psalm, like Haman the Ezerhite, Psalm 88, which is one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 88. And then mm -hmm. Psalm 89, Ethan the Ezerhite, and then Solomon, King Solomon, we have two of his psalms, Psalm 72 and 127, and even one psalm written by Moses, or if not really written, then at least attributed. And theologically, it's interesting why Psalm 90. So a group of authors or group of, of psalmists, we meet them in the psalm. But I would like also to give huge credit to the editors of the book of Psalms, probably Nehemiah and, and, and his group of scholars are, are one of those who put all these psalms together and order them in a way that can speak to us today. 
So I heard a reference to 82. Are you going to weigh in? Is that is that your favorite one? Or oh, 82. 88. 88, sorry. Yes. And, and Michael, as you said, how do you choose your favorite child? You, you can. But if you uh, have, I just have to the nudge. Oh, no, no. Yeah, but let's say for, when when I look at the book of Psalms in my Bible, for me, that's like crawling to a photo album yeah. where each photograph captures a precious moment in the life of your family. And then you say, oh, remember that? Oh, remember when we were doing so-and-so? Or there is a funny face and then you say, oh, yeah, we got you there and things like that. I I have so many dates in 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 the in the book of Psalms in my Bible, where where a certain verse or psalm spoke to me, and then then I remember the experience of of that time. But I've mentioned Psalm eighty eight because this is one of the psalms that speak about great great suffering, and for me that psalm brings me closer to Jesus on the cross. Of course, there are many other Psalms that Jesus even quoted, like uh, the well-known, let me just back to this, like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus uh, quoted that Psalm. But when I read Psalm 88, the depth of suffering experienced that there is, 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 is so profound that I believe it is a prophetic Psalm of the Psalms of Korah, of what was in Jesus's heart mm. in Gethsemane or on the cross, being abandoned, being so alone, but yet crying out to God, even in the depths of those miseries. So if there is anyone listening to this program, going through some difficult times, read Psalm 88 and find, find Freedom of speech and encouragement and a blessing there being draw, drawn closer to Jesus. So I've heard you mentioning some notes or scribbles or something like that. And so I, I'm going to try to just probe a little bit in a different way. But, but you know, I don't know if you do Bible journaling or how you do it or if you just like to write notes in your Bible. But I always like to, this is kind of coming back to making it real, you know, what, what does that look like for you? You know, obviously you're reading this and I love how you've made it just so personal, but, but you know, when it comes to you're actually reading it, are, are you just highlighting in your Bible or, you know, what the Dragoslava, tell, tell us what you do. Yes. It, it really, it really, I want to say depends on a day. I don't want to appear here to be a, a superhero some kind of spiritual formula, but we want to know what, what is Dragoslava? What, yes, I believe that many, many people are, are, are much stronger when it comes to, to, to spending time and spirituality. And, and I really sometimes struggle with finding time, which is not an excuse. So honestly, it really depends on a day, but as I mentioned, there is not a day that I don't start without reading a psalm and praying. And what I like to do, and I put here some bullet points as, a remi as reminders for me to share with you. First, I would encourage people, and this is something I do, to ruminate or reflect on how the psalmist addresses God. You know, 
we usually say our dear heavenly father or our dear God. And, and, and of course, this is very precious. But the Psalms taught me to, to find so many other appellations, so many other names for God. And, and, and the more, for example, like, like in a marriage, you know, when you started dating your sweetheart, first it was like, oh, my name is Revsla, my name is Alex. I'm using my example. But then the more, the fonder you get of each other and maybe start dating, courting, the later you get married, the more little names come into. So it's not that my husband never calls me Dragoslava these days. Uh, uh, maybe he has even forgotten my real name. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying a little, a little funny thing here, but there are so many other names. Why? Because these names show how close we are and, and, uh, intimacy that we have developed. And I see that in the Psalms and, and I, and I just love it. Psalm 88 that I mentioned, Oh Lord, God of my salvation. Mm. How can you say, Oh Lord, God of my salvation and mean it and not be encouraged? No matter what are you yes. going to share after that? Even if it is a complaint, Saying, God, I'm so miserable. I'm going through such tough times. But hey, you're God of my salvation. The Lord is my shepherd. And, and the psalmist will say, oh, shepherd of Israel, my rock on, on which I firmly stand. So, so ruminate, reflect. Don't just read. Go quickly by, oh, God of my salvation. And oh, God of my salvation. What does that mean for the psalmist? If you have time, try reading the, David's life in, in the books of, book of Samuel. Yes. Both of them. Try to, to, to read a little bit of the background, uh, Second Samuel and all. And what are the reasons for prayer? What does the psalmist share as the reasons for prayer? Do they match maybe uh, the reasons for prayer that, that, that you may have? Then... Is there something that the psalm challenges you with? Are there certain words that the psalmist say like, oh, I, I just don't understand, or this is too much, or I don't, I don't feel the way the psalmist feels? Think about what are the challenges that the psalm poses before you. And then remember to read the psalm in the light of Christ. Amen. You will find a number of psalms. For example, Psalm 137, uh, a, a psalm that has words that are full of revenge and, and, and we don't ever mention them at, at church. Like when we read, for example, O daughter of Babylon who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have stirred us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Like who, who prays like that? Mm. And before we are too quick to uh -huh. judge the psalmist who prayed and wrote this, just realize that these are the words of someone who experienced extreme suffering, yes. not just personal, but communal. And, 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 and I, and I discovered this freedom of speech in the psalm that those psalms give us words we do not dare to speak. But at the same time, we realize that these words are not spoken at the enemies or the people who hurt us, but they are shared with God. 
meaning that we bring our hurt and our desire for revenge, our anger to God, who is the only righteous judge. And we leave the judgment and revenge to God. And, and this is, you know, something, something that, that we need to realize. And that's so empowering that we should not judge people because unless you've been there, you don't know what that person is going through. So, so let us never judge anyone, but, but let's encourage the person to, to share that with God. And also when I pray, when I read the Psalms, I many times find new motives for prayer. Mm. Thought of praying for so so the Psalms broaden my horizon, spiritual horizons. Right around the time we heard about these horrible uh, events uh, happening in Israel, in today's Israel, the, the the horrible conflicts and sufferings on on both sides, people are dying, people are suffering, and 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 the Psalm I was reading that morning was Psalm 102, which says, verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. So the Psalms will give us, this is just one example, new motives for prayer. And praying for uh, Jerusalem is not just praying for that particular city but for the peace in the entire world. Amen. And remembering that while we may be living in a, uh, in a country that's, that's uh, uh, at peace, many people around the world are facing war. So it broadens our perspective, thinking that I'm not thinking only about myself when I pray or my family, my children. I think about other families, other people's children, other communities. So, so these are, and, and and it leads me to intercede in prayer, and it's so much more. Uh, there's uh, one author who said, and I believe it is Bonhoeffer who said, when we pray the Psalms, we are not left to pray with the poverty of our heart, but with the richness of God's word. Amen. And 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 I found my heart to be so poor so many times when I needed and wanted to pray. But the richness of the, of the Psalms really strengthened me in my prayers. Amen. You know, I, I, uh, one of the things I really appreciate about that is going through some of the training I'm going through right now with uh, clinical pastoral uh, education mm-hmm. is learning to not just think with the head, but thinking with the heart. And the Psalms is a way to bridge that. And the richness of God, he created us as whole beings, which includes our emotions. And you see those running rampant throughout the book of Psalms. And as you're sharing it, your love for people and your love for God, once again, is just shining out. It's a breath of fresh air. And I want to thank you for that, for allowing God to speak to you and through your ministry of actually caring uh, about others and, and about your relationship with him, but seeing others have a relationship with him as well. Yes, yes. Praise God. And a blessing shared is a blessing multiplied. And, and I really believe the more the people of God praise together and praise these wonderful prayers, the stronger we will be as a community and, and God will triumph through our works and through our hearts being transformed 
through these uh, inspired prayers. Amen. Oh, it's great. Any final takeaways, Dragoslava, that you just want to linger on before we wrap up? Yes. So, well, again, I want to encourage people that no matter what season in life you are in, remember that the communication with God must go on. And this is my experience in the lowest points in my life and the experience of so many people through the generations. And God is there for you. God is never against you. And the book of Psalms is not just for scholars and theologians and researchers. The book of Psalms is there for people like me and you, for ordinary people who love God and want to learn more about him, for people who feel weak and poor in their heart to be blessed and strengthened by the words of Psalm. So I encourage you to read a Psalm each day. There is that well-known saying, one apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, I would like to make a little spin on that and say one Psalm a day keeps, and now you can supply whatever is bothering you, you know, whatever is there pushing you down. It keeps that away. Amen. Uh, And it is not by our might, by our power that we get to read and pray the Psalms, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it is a communal, uh, relational project where our heart meets God's heart in prayer, in reading the Psalm. And I pray we have a wonderful journey today together studying the quarterly on the Psalms, but beyond that, to read a Psalm each day to become like our spiritual vitamin or our spiritual multivitamin that we take for our heart, for our soul, and to share that blessing with others. Amen. I I think maybe a a psalm a day keeps you growing closer to Jesus more and more every day. (laughs) Exactly. Wonderful. Michael, I didn't know you were a poet. (laughs) I'll work on that a little bit more, but I love it. I've realized and can't wait for this new quarter as we can dive in to the psalms and some great resources. Oh, oh, one last question. And I'm sorry, I should have given you a heads up on this one, but if someone, you've done this commentary, but somebody just says, you know, I really want to dive in. And is there a favorite resource commentary? I don't know. You've referred to several resources. What, what, what would you recommend to somebody that just wants to be extra prepared for that Sabbath school lesson this quarter? Yes, of course, there is uh, what's the name, the companion book uh, on, the, on the Psalms for our quarterly written by a wonderful psalm researcher and and researcher at large, Dr. Martin Klingbeil, who I I believe he's, I believe that he's still at Southern Adventist University, or at least been there for many years. So uh, the companion book is a wonderful resource, but yes, there there are also, well, if if I knew that before I could have prepared some wonderful authors, Adventist authors. We can always add that to the show notes too. So if you think of something later. Yes, yes. But just in case there was commentary or something that really jumped out at you and said, I love it. Hans Lyrondell, Hans Lyrondell wrote a wonderful book. I'm a professor at the seminary. Yes, 
deliverance in the Psalms. It's a selection of few Psalms with, with a commentary on, on those. And, and, and that's a wonderful resource as well. Um, maybe if I can also recommend some non-Adventist uh, authors too. Uh, Walter Brueggemann has written several very, very inspiring and good books on, on the Psalms. So I, I recommend him as an author as well. So yes, maybe we can add some more in the notes, but the companion book, Deliverance in the Psalms by Hans Lerondel, wonderful sources. Go on Amazon, maybe check Walter Brueggemann's on mm -hmm. the Psalms. He's written several, but these are more theological. So those who are, who are more into theology and, and checking James Luther Mace, Another non-Adventist author, but a, a good researcher on the Psalms. So, and of course, please check the Seventh-day Adventist International Bible Commentary, Volume 6. Uh, it's a wonderful resource on not just the Book of Psalms, but Lamentations, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. So these are the wisdom and poetic books of the Psalms, of, of the Bible. Dr. Jacques Ducan, Dave, Richard Davidson. Dr. Turner and Martin Klingberg and myself are the contributors. So it's a wonderful resource, Adventist resource. So these are some of my recommendations. Yeah. I just love it. And what a privilege it's been. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Dr. Dragoslava Sontrak as she's been sharing with us about the upcoming quarterly, first quarter of 2024, which will be delving into the Psalms. Can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us, Dragoslava, and welcome welcome you to just listen to the Sabbath School Rescue each week as, as we unpack God's Word through this coming quarter. You've been listening to Soup and Swoops. We're signing out. Signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.